0: go to God's word. First Corinthians chapter five, verse one. If you are able to stand to read God's word, would you stand with me? It says this, it says, it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and such sexual immorality as is not not even named among the Gentiles. That a man has his father's wife and you are puffed up and have not rather mourned that he who has done this deed might be taken away from among you. For I indeed is absent in the body, but present in spirit have already judged as though I were present him who has so done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together along with my spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Your glorying is not good. <clears throat> Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Therefore purge out the old leaven, that you may be a new lump since you are truly since you truly are unleavened for indeed Christ our Passover was sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity <clears throat> and truth. I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company with sexually immoral people, yet I certainly did not mean with the sexually immoral people of this world or with the covetous or with the extortioners or idolaters since then you would need to go out of the world. But now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother who is sexually immoral. Or covetous, or an idolater, or a reviler, or a drunkard, or an extortioner—not even to eat with such a person. For what I, what have I to do with judging those who are outside? Do you not, do you not judge those who are inside? But those who are outside, God judges. Therefore, put away from yourselves the evil person. But well, now you know how I was feeling. How I was feeling. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your word that is true, that is timeless, your word that never changes, your word that is for our good and more than that, for your glory. Lord, we humble our hearts before you, before your counsel, before your wisdom, before your throne, before your presence that is in this place and I hope is moving in the homes or places where others are hearing. I pray, God, that your voice would be heard above mine. I pray that your spirit would grip our hearts and our lives, that we would hear from you and that we would not reject your truth, but that we would respond to it in faith. We pray this believing, we ask this in Jesus' strong name and everyone said, amen. amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. If you do not have an outline, raise your hands and um, we'll praise the Lord with you because we have no more outlines, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Well, you know, so share with somebody, right? Um, if someone is next to you and, and and they have a spouse, maybe they want to hook you up, something like that. I don't know. Um, but nonetheless, if you have an outline, we want you to be able to follow along. We want you to be able to, to take some notes. We we hope that you don't just hear a sermon in, in this this morning, but that you take it with you and that you will share it with someone else. But more importantly, that you will hear it and that you will internalize and you will see what is applicable to you. So if you have an outline, you'll see there in the outline in the beginning, it says one of the saddest realities of the 21st century church is the amount of sin that is sexual immorality, that is greed, that is idolatry, that is alcoholism, etc., that is rampant and normalized in our ranks. Let me say that again. One of the saddest realities of the 21st century church is the amount of sin that is sexual immorality, that is greed, that is idolatry, that is alcoholism, and any, anything else that is named sin in scripture that is rampant and normalized in our ranks. Now let me pause and tell you this. As long as you and I are part of the church, sin will be present. Until we breathe our last, we will wrestle with, we will struggle with, we will fight with, we will be tempted by sin. This is a fact. This is something that we know. However, we should not be overcome by sin because Jesus already overcame sin. Are you here? And if we should not be overcome by sin, that means that sin should not be rampant. And that also means that sin sin should surely never be normalized in our midst. But if you go throughout the church today, you know one of the saddest things that that I I remember talking to someone. You know, I worked. I I worked for a ministry one time, right? uh, Before, you know, and when I say worked for, I meant like I had a job. I was a security officer and a part of a ministry. And 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 and, you know, one of the one of one of the craziest things that 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 you would have to tell like Christians that had never worked in ministry environment before is, hey, just be careful because you might get hurt. You might be offended. You might see some things that you're like, huh? I thought they were Christian. Uh huh. Because we normalize sin. It's okay to be prideful. It's okay to be, it's okay to sin in your anger. Anger is fine, y'all. Listen, everybody, everybody's going to get angry. You ain't got to cuss somebody out because of it, you ain't got to build up a wall because you're angry. You don't have to mistreat people because you are angry. Hello? But we normalize it. It's, it's, it's okay for us to watch those programs. It's okay for us to participate in those activities. It's okay for us to listen to that kind of music. Oh, oh Bishop, you get getting legalistic. No, 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 no. I'm talking about Holiness. I'm talking about the difference between you and I and God. The difference between us is, is, I mean, listen, there there, there was a, a large separation that was there between you and God. That is the reason that Jesus had to come and die. Normalized sin is a problem within the church. And so here's the thing, continuing in your outline, while we are called to be holy as God is holy, Because God is love, we somehow disconnect God's love from our call to holiness. Somewhere in the conversation, we have misunderstood or misconstrued what it means that God is holy and God is love and how those things work interchangeably. How can I be loving and gracious and kind and then also be holy at the same time? Well, God does it. And so in, in our heads, I don't know, we somehow di- just disconnect the two, right? Because, you know, our world has lied to us, and, and we suck into this, and, and the church, well, love is love, is it really? You see, the world is going to think that way, church. That, that, Paul already said that. We're going to get to that in a moment. That's like my third point, but that's how the world is going to think. The problem is not how the world thinks. The problem is we're thinking like the world. The problem is we're embracing ideologies. We're embracing thought process. We're embracing the way that the world thinks over what God says. Let me put it to you like this. If love is love, Jesus didn't need to die. You know why Jesus died? Because God is love and God is holy. And because God is holy and because God loves us so much, guess what? He doesn't want to be separated from his creation. He has to do something to bridge the gap in order to bring us together. So there had to be someone who to, who absorbs the wrath of God. Because if someone doesn't absorb it for us, guess who gets it? We do. And so church, we have to think about this, that we have, called to, we have been called to be holy. So again, we grow in, in your outline. We grow, we, we seek to grow in love and tolerance and acceptance while minimizing the pursuit of holiness, relational accountability, and the regular practice of church discipline. That's the title of the message today, church discipline. Church discipline. So what I want you to think about this morning. I think I've said a lot. You should be hopefully thinking about that. But what I want you to think about this morning is this. A church that doesn't practice discipline is incapable of impacting the world around it as the Lord intends. A church that doesn't practice discipline is incapable of impacting the world around it the way the Lord intends. Now listen, we're going to have some kind of impact, whether we're holy or not, but a church that is practicing discipline the way the scriptures teach is a church that is committed to honor and glory and glorifying the God of heaven. It is a church that is more committed to honoring the Lord than it is honoring itself. Are you here? It is a church that is more committed to, to, to really reaching and delivering those who are in bondage. It is a church that is really devoted to that and says, wait a second, we got to do things the way that God says. Because if we don't do the things the way that God says, how do we expect God's presence and power to bring deliverance? Assistant Nicole came forward during our time of worship today. She's crying out, there's deliverance in this place. That's what you were saying, right? There's deliverance in this place. Let me ask you a question. How can there be deliverance somewhere if there is sin being coddled in the same place? How can, how, how can I tell you, hey, bring your marriage to God and then he will do a miracle if my marriage is a mess and I and, I, and I'm not loving my wife and, and she's not respecting and honoring me and our home is all ma- how can I how can I do that? I can't. <laughs> I can tell you, well, there might be hope. And listen, everybody's in a different place, right? I believe this. The church should be a hospital, amen. So that means that there should be people who walk in the church who's met, who are followers of Jesus, whose marriage may not be perfect, may not be the way, but they're working toward that. They're trusting the gospel in that. But if we just say, you know what, we're going to go ahead. I was, I was in my, 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 yesterday, I was, you know, I was on Facebook and I was looking at someone's reel. And if they're watching, they're going to see it and they're going to be highly offended, but praise the name of Jesus. Hopefully they get delivered in this offense. I'm not trying to offend them just to offend them. But they, they said something in their, in their, in, in their, in their real, they, they had a, a whole little speech they were giving. And one of, one, one of the parts in their thing was about marriage and divorce. And they're like, divorce is this. It's when this relate, check this out now. This relationship no longer gives value to your life. That's why you divorce. I'm like, the devil is a liar. I'm like, hold on a second. Hold on, hold on a second, glory to God. <laughs> now, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, I am, I am a blessed, blessed man. My wife puts up with a lot, amen? <laughs> the Lord is using me to make her more holy, hallelujah. <laughs> Great is your reward, Hallelujah. <laughs> 25 years y'all next week we said we celebrate 25 years we already got two weeks two weeks great is your reward praise the lord i can assure you that there are times that our relationship doesn't seem to add value does that mean we say oh man i'm done you don't add value to me. I'm out. You're too much work. Is that, is, that, is that how Christian marriage is supposed to be? I'm not talking about the world. The reason why I'm bringing this up, because this is a Christian. Hello, come on now. This is a follower of Jesus. This is someone. Wait, Wait a second. But that's the mindset. That's the mentality that we have embraced. Not that, wait a second, marriage is a covenant. That we enter into before a holy God and we are to do this till death do us part. So if you are breathing and they are breathing, guess what? We're working towards this thing. I understand there's exceptions. I get all of that kind of stuff. The exceptions are minute and minuscule. The church would be nowhere near and equals with the world in the area of divorce if we were holding biblical principles to marriage. Listen, y'all, better for worse. That's what you said. <laughs> but there, there, there has to be the right mindset. We have to have the right mindset. But how can I bring you a word of, of deliverance? How can I bring you a word of healing? How can I offer you anything if my life doesn't show the power of the gospel? I can't, I can't offer you anything. And listen, if you, if you, if you're living a life that is dominated by sin, guess what? You are showing the, the gospel really has no power. I go to church, I call myself a Christian, but there really isn't life change. There really isn't life transformation. Therefore, why should anybody want to follow you? I can live miserable all by myself. I can live in shambles apart from Jesus. Come on, I, I know I got to keep going. Glory to God. 11 09, praise the Lord. They didn't, give, they, they, they didn't give me a clock, so I'm going to just run with it. Amen. I'm going to run the clock out. There's no clock to run out, you know. <laughs> Yeah, it's football, football. See, I know some of y'all are like, come on, Bishop. Come on now, Bishop. We got, uh-huh, uh-huh. Mm. The first thing I want to ask you to repeat after me is this. Say church discipline church is about judging, about judging sin rightly. Church discipline, let me say that bad word, is about judging Church discipline is about judging, but let's not stop there, sin rightly. It is about doing something the way that God says. Going back to the text, this is what Paul says, verse one, and we'll run through it. Verse one, it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and such sexual immorality that is not, as is not even named among the Gentiles. That a man has his father's wife. Now, listen, in our culture today, it's really hard to do a sin that the world doesn't approve of. Let's keep it 100. In the days we live in, there are very few things that you could do that the world be like, nah, you can't do that. I mean, I mean especially in the area of sexuality. I mean, we, 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 we are diving off the deep end. But nonetheless... The, Paul is like literally saying, you know what? You, are, you guys are embracing sin that the world around you wouldn't even tolerate. Who's he talking to again? The church. The church. <laughs> Followers of Jesus. Y'all are telling, toler- y- 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 you're allowing sin that the world around you. Like, no, 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 that ain't right. The dude has his, has his stepmother. It seems maybe she wasn't a Christian because she doesn't get the rebuke he does. He's calling himself a Christian. He's coming to, he's coming to church doing but the thing was that people knew this. It was it, see see nowadays we can hide a lot better. Communities are different now. Back then you couldn't hide that kind of stuff like that. It was going to be difficult. And this guy's over here living like he wants to live. And look, and look what Paul says in verse 2. <clears throat> he says and you are puffed up. You're proud of this. You're like, yo, check us out. We, we that church. We're that affirming church. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. So I don't know what I'm talking about, right? But, you know, there's affirming churches. I love a one pastor. We were in a conversation with pastors in Oviedo and he was being asked, you know, he's in the midst of one of those denominations right now that is going through this big church split, big arguments about stuff. And he says, you know, one of those people was like, hey, are we an affirming church? He says, how can I be an affirming church? I can't affirm my sin. How can I affirm someone else's sin? That's the mindset, right? Like, 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 you don't want to be an affirming church that I'm, I'm your pastor and I'm an embezzler. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. Come on now. Hey, we affirm sin up in here, right? Like, 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 I'm proud. I'm arrogant. I take money, do whatever I want with it. I'm not a man of prayer. I'm carnal. I got three wives. Like we're affirming though, right? Like that's what it is. No, no, all that's wrong. But we're going to affirm. No, we don't affirm sin at all. Period. But these people, they're like, "Yo, we we we're an affirming church." You know, we we accept everyone. Okay, hold on a second. We're going to get to that in a moment. Because here's the thing: we accept. We 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 look. The door is wide open. Every anybody who wants to come here can come. We want you to be here. We want you to hear God's word. But we don't want you to be confused of what a Christian is and what a Christian is not. This is why, this is why church discipline is so important, because we need to draw the lines clearly so that way people can actually be like, wait, 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 wait a second. This is, this is, this is Christianity. This is not. This is what it means to follow Jesus. This is not. This is what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. This is not. Just because you, you know, you like the rhythm of songs (laughs) And, and you maybe like the stories that songs tell. That doesn't make you a worshiper. If you got good music, you know we we you know we had a couple of guests up here today, right? And my brother Omar, my brother Danny, can we give them a hand? Thank them for stepping in and and helping us today for the glory of God. Yeah. You got a good groove. It's like, oh man, I'm feeling that today. Does that make you a worshiper? That might make you more carnal than you believe. Come on now. Yeah. I, I, listen, I, I repented a long time ago, right, in front of you guys. I was like, man, I had to repent because, you know, I know music and I know sound. And sometimes I'm up here and I'm like, it ain't sounding like I wanted to sound. And, and I'm not feeling that song. I like the way that, you know, they did this or they did that. Or I had a different thought. Or all, and I get lost in all that kind of stuff. Oh, that ain't got nothing to do with the Lord. At all. I'm here to worship the king, not worship the music. Not not worship the mastery of the musicians. Not worship the harmonization of the vocalist. I'm here. I'm here to worship the God of heaven who created all. Does that mean we should have garbage music? No. Does that mean that we should have people up here that say, hey, I want to sing to the Lord, but you can't sing? No, no, that doesn't mean that. That is not what I'm saying. (laughs) The Bible says make a joyful noise. It doesn't say you need to be the worship leader. You know what I'm saying? I mean. Well, I'm a worshiper, Amen, and the Lord wants to hear your worship, just not behind a microphone. I'm just—I'm—I'm I'm keeping it 100, right? I mean, that—that's—that's, that's, y'all. You know, I, I know I'm hurting someone's feelings. I'm—I'm I'm just saying, right? Like, <laughs> but worship—worship worship is about Him alone. And church discipline, whether you believe it or not, is about worship of the God of heaven. He goes on. He says, "And you are puffed up, and have not rather." mourned you know you, you do you know what sin should do to us when it is public it should it should feel like someone died that's what this word means you're puffed up and proud rather than mourning think about it for a moment imagine going to a funeral and being up in there making all kind of noise acting all crazy instead of being broken, solemn about the death of the loved one. That would be out of place, would it not? And Paul is saying, you should have mourned. This, this is what I firmly believe. I believe that this is what happens to the heart of God when we sin. There is that feeling that, that, that that's the reason the scripture says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by which you were sealed. That's what, don't grieve him. When you sin, it is like death is happening in the heart of the father. Think about this. God has called us to be holy. The father loves us. He redeemed us through his son. He rescued us. He filled us with his spirit. He regenerated us and gave us new life. And, and, and we're acting like, oh, he didn't do anything for me. Sin breaks the heart of the father and we should be weeping in his place. We should be mourning over sin in his place, not proud, not puffed up, because we're so tolerant, we're so loving, we're so whatever we want to call ourselves. Rather than, rather we should have mourned that he who has done this, listen, done this deed might be taken away from among you. You see, when when, when sin is in the church, And it's blatant and it becomes public. It should produce this kind of mourning in our hearts. Again, I repeat, sin must never be normalized in our lives or in our congregation. Sin must never be normalized while perfection, I said this already, While perfection will never be had this side of heaven, we should be pursuing a relationship with God that produces holiness in us. That's what should be happening. Verse number three, for I indeed as absent in the body, but present in the spirit have already judged. Paul said that dirty word, judged. He's not even there. He's not even present. He just heard about it. That's all. He just heard about their sin and he is saying, I have already judged as though I were present him who has so done this deed. Why, why, how can he judge already? Because he has God's holy word. He is simply looking at you saying, looking at me saying, he said, hey, I'm looking at, I'm looking at their life. I'm looking at my brother Ricky's life. Is his life lining up with God's word? I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not there to judge every single thing he does, but, but man, if he's just out there acting crazy, you know, we're in the car and he's flipping people off and cursing people out like, yo, my brother, come on now. you know, I mean, that's not becoming of a man of God. I'm not sitting here nitpicking his life. I'm, I'm not sitting here looking at every single thing that, I mean, I not like his beard. I, I like your beard, man. I'm just, you know. I, I don't like the outfit, where, you know. He can dress good, you know what I'm saying? But I'm just, I'm just saying, like, like I'm not looking at him, picking him apart. That's not what Paul is doing. Paul is saying, "Yo, this is crystal clear. This is sin. I've already judged." it. See, it seems like the Corinthians they they were they were unsure, right? So that so he's giving them he's like, you know, maybe you didn't judge because I'm not present. Maybe may, maybe because the you know the, uh, the apostle was not there, the pastor. The, may, maybe you're unsure. Maybe, but he's like, "Yo, you should have already judged sin. You should have called sin sin." It's sin. It's it's evil. It's sinful. It's foul. It's wicked. He's like, if I'm present, verse 4 through 5. He says, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together along with my spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, deliver such a one. This is a hard word right here. Deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. So how did he say sin was supposed to be dealt with? Publicly. First of all, sin needs to be specific, not just like generalizing. It was specific sin. It was sin that was public knowledge. It was sin that that, that people knew about. And he didn't say, hey, wait for me to come, for me to call a council, and then you guys deal with sin. That isn't what he said. He said, in the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, in the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, when you gather together, this is what He said. When you, you know, we, we come together in church, and we have a lot of traditions that we do, right? Some places, you know they 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 do baby presentations, they different different things that they do. How about we have a moment in the service? This is church discipline time. <laughs> Just saying. I, I I was I was watching I was watching a church online, and they were saying, "Oh, you know, <clears throat> this Sunday we we you know we have baby presentation." And you know, everybody got excited, right? Everybody walked up, you know, with the baby, they brought him up to the front. The pastor grabbed the child. I was like, Oh man, this is really beautiful. I, I love the way they do it. And I'm like, you know, we might start doing that here. But anyway, but but as I'm preaching this, I'm like, what about if we said, well, today we have a church discipline? Are we all gonna be excited? Like, hey, we need we need godparents for this, we need witnesses for this. Like, but 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 what Paul is saying, when you gather together. He didn't say, leaders, go deal with this in private and then explain it to the church later. That isn't what he said, is it? He said, when you gather, you're supposed to have some discipline that happens. I want you to hold your place and just turn me. I I know, listen, I know. Today may take a little longer than I anticipated. Praise the Lord. Matthew, turn to Matthew real quick. Matthew chapter 18. This is good scripture for you. Matthew chapter 18, beginning in verse 15. I'm about to mess with some of y'all's theology, too, because you you see these verses and you're like, you think a certain way about these verses and you apply them a certain way. But I want you to see how the Bible actually applies them and how we should be looking at them. Matthew chapter 18. Are you there? Verse 15. Look what it says here. It says, "More, moreover, if your brother sins against you, go tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. So, what's the first step to dealing with sin? One on one, in private. I'm not not putting his or her business out there. I'm talking to them. I'm not talking about them to someone else. I'm not going. Listen, I I believe in getting counsel about things. I don't believe in having gossip session about things. In some situations, you're like, man, how do I deal with this? But if it's sin, I go one on one to you, and we have that conversation. Verse sixteen. But if he will not hear you, take with you one or two more that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. So what's the next step? You bring some folks with you. Brother and sister, it didn't say bring the pastor and the the deacons. It didn't say that. It said bring two more. Brother, mature Christians in the Lord. Bring them. You know why you want to bring them? Hey, man, I'm going to use Danny, my brother, as an example. And I talked to Danny. He's like, Brian, feeling you, man. I said, I I don't, you know, whatever. I don't don't see it the way you see it. Okay. So then I go, I get Ricky with his nice beard, nice clothes. Come on, man. We're going to talk to this guy. Get Pastor Aldo looking good, right? You know, I mean, he's like, hey, you know, like, hey, let's go talk to Danny. You sit down with Danny. We have the conversation. Hey, you know, Jason just finished telling you this. He just finished having a conversation with you about this. He was showing you what the scripture said, man. Listen, he's not wrong. This is what the scriptures say. That's why you bring two or three witnesses. So it's not just my opinion versus Danny's opinion. No, it is, it is the counsel of God's word affirmed by two or three witnesses that, yo, Danny, you're wrong. Danny, I have a relationship with him. I feel like after time one, if I showed him the scripture, he'd be like, hey man, I need to repent. Tell telling you that because it's just an example. But the next step is what? He says, but if he refuses, verse 17, and if he refuses to hear them, Then what do you do? Hey, guys, we have a church discipline situation today. Me, Ricky, nice beard, nice clothes. Pastor Aldo looking nice. We brought a new Bible, got the new translation for him, showed him everything that was going on. He still ain't trying to hear it, y'all. These are the scriptures that he's violated. Danny, come on, man, you got to hear it from the church. And then what does the church do? The church doesn't just sit there quiet. The church is like, amen. Come on, say amen. 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 We we, we share with him before the church that, that we tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a what? A heathen and tax collector. Man, these are hard words, are they not? Like we don't play up in church. That's how it's supposed to be. The whole, if you want to, if you want to come to church and you want to call you, I'm not talking about just coming to learn stuff, coming to figure, I'm not talking, if you are coming to listen and, and trying to learn things and you're not sure about Jesus, man, please keep coming. I know that this is a tough one to get past, but listen, please keep coming. Please keep coming to, um, we're not talking about that. We're talking about the person who calls themselves a brother or a sister says, yes, I've put my faith in Christ. Yes, I'm a follower of Jesus. Yes, I'm a disciple of Christ. Yes, I serve, yes, yes. When they, all them yeses, hold on a second. You said a bunch of yeses, but you don't look like it. It's like me and my wife, we go on. We, we go before the church, we go before, and we we get married, say vows, yes and yes, but then you always see me in the club. You see me hanging out with other women. You see me acting a fool. Do I look married to you? No, I do not look married to you. That's not what marriage looks like. I said yes, but I'm not living yes. Treat him like a heathen and tax collector. In other words, let them feel the weight of their sin. Deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of his flesh, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. You hear it? Over here, what Jesus is saying is let them feel the weight of their sin. Don't give them a pass and say, hey, you know what? You live in like a heathen. You live in like someone who doesn't know Jesus. And it's okay. You can still be part of fellowship. You can still serve. You can still call yourself a Christian. No, no, and no. That's not the way that it's supposed to go. Why? Because Jesus said crystal clear on that day. Many will come to me saying, Lord, Lord, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. I was part of core faith. I was part of whatever church. And he will say to them, part from me. I never knew you because I don't like the way you dress. I never knew you because you went to the wrong church. I never knew you because you didn't succumb to a specific doctrinal system. Jesus says, I never knew you, you worker of iniquity. You thought you were a Christian. No one ever checked you about your Christianity. And you continued to live in sin, unrepentant church. We, if we love our brothers and our sisters, if we really care about people, we cannot allow them to continue to live in sin. I know this is tough. This is hard. I know because you, oh, I don't want to be, I'm not trying to be legalistic. I'm trying to be obedient to the text. Let me mess your theology up real quick if it ain't messed up already. You see this next part of this verse? Notice, you know, even even, even the the people who put the verses and and the chapters and all that together, they didn't even separate this part. You know why? Because this is what Jesus is talking about. When he says these next words that you probably have prayed them, you probably thought them, you know, or heard them prayed or something like that. This is actually what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about church discipline. Look what he says. Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my father in heaven. For when two or three gather together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Hold on a second. I thought binding and loosing was about demons. Not according to Jesus. Hold up, Bishop, you don't believe in bi- Listen, we'll talk about that another day. I firmly believe in spiritual warfare. I believe in casting out demons. I think that that is part of the kingdom. But when we're talking Bible and we're looking at the text of Scripture, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. As a matter of fact, here's what it says in the literal. Whatever you bind on earth has already been bound in heaven. You know why that's possible? Because God's word shows you what is right and what is wrong. And when I say, and again, I'll go back to the example of my brother Danny, when I say, Lord, my brother Danny has not heard me, he has not heard the two witnesses, he has not heard the counsel of the church, Lord, he is still in his sin. He is bound in his sin. He is not free from his sin. However, when my brother Danny comes and he says, Lord, he, say, he says, yo, man, I recognize that I'm, I'm, being, I'm in sin. I need to turn away. You know what the church also does? The church says he is loosed from his sin. He is free from the consequences. He is free from the power of darkness. He is free from. That's what it means. How can, how, how can I say that? I'm not. I'm, I'm not somebody special. No, the church has the authority to say that because the church has God's counsel, has God's word, has God's authority. And what do we ask? You know, what we ask. We ask God. Let Danny come to his right mind. That's what we ask. We don't say, let Danny just feel the weight of his sin. We say, Lord, let him feel the weight of his sin so he knows how good your grace is. Let him feel the weight of his sin so he knows how far from you he is. Let him feel the pain of, of, of being disfellowship, of being, let him feel the weight of that God. Not so that way he feels like an outcast, but Lord, that he would turn to you. You know why church discipline is so hard today? Because if we do that here, guess what? Someone will walk out of here and they'll find another church they can just go hang out at. They're not going to stay in church discipline at home. They're going to go find their other Christian friends that are going to be very compassionate, very loving, very great. How could that church do that to you? That's the reason, listen straight up, when when we do our Core Faith 101, we ask for a reference. Come on now. And know this, if you have a reference from a church you came from, we are going to call that reference and we're going to have a conversation with that pastor or that leadership team and say, hey, how did so-and-so leave your congregation? Oh, they left like that. Hold up. We didn't have a conversation about this. Because you can't be, you You can't be, leave. you know, you left in discipline. You left in rebellion. You left in disobedience. Wait a second. You bringing that stuff over here. No, you're not. Ah, praise the Lord. 11:30, 11:30, glory to God. Praise. To judge sin rightly means to call sin what it is. It means to condemn it publicly and collectively. When its public sin has got to be dealt with publicly. Private sin you could deal with that privately. But if someone's going to continue to live in open rebellion against the Lord, we have to address that. We have to do it without fear. We have to do it without doubt because we have God's word to stand on. Again, we're not judging people's lives based upon our own standards. We're judging the church. Again, the church. We're judging each other based upon the standards of God's word. But we see, listen, and I I, I want you to hear this before we move on to this next point. We view the person in church discipline from a gospel perspective. We discipline with redemption in mind. Church discipline isn't to embarrass people. You know why it's so important to have an identity in Christ? Because when you know who you are, there's no embarrassment when you fall short. Are you here? Because I know who I am. When I I stand up here and I tell you that my wife has a great crown coming to her for dealing with me, glory to God. I know who I am in Christ. I'm trying to become more like Jesus. Jesus. But I'm not over here, oh my goodness, if I tell him that, then I'm telling him I'm a terrible husband. I'm not worried about all all that stuff because I know who I am in Christ. When we discipline someone, listen, it is not because I want to hurt your feelings. It's because I want you to truly be saved. I want you to really know the redeeming power of the cross. And I want the body of Christ to be pure the way that God wants us to be pure. We always have redemption in mind. What, and what is that? That the Father desires all men to be saved. 1 Timothy chapter two. For this is good and pleasing to God our Savior who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. That's how we, that's how we view church discipline. Number two, repeat this after me. Say church discipline, church discipline. is about... preserving Preserving. gospel reverence. Now, we're gonna run through these here, but I want you to see this. Church discipline is about preserving gospel reverence. Look at verse six. It says, your glorying is not good. What did he say earlier in the epistle? He said, you should be glorying in God and God alone. That's what he said, right? Not in Paul, not in Apollos, not in Cephas. You should be glorying in God and God alone. He's saying, you're glorying about your acceptance and all this kind of stuff. Your tolerance is not good. He says, do you not know, look at this, that a little leaven, leavens the whole lump do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump therefore purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump since you are truly since you truly are unleavened for indeed christ our passover was sacrificed for us therefore let us keep the feast not with old leaven nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth Corinth was boasting in the wrong thing their tolerance to their detriment they didn't realize either they didn't realize it or they were ignoring the fact that a little leaven a little sin will leaven the whole lump when you go to the store I don't I don't I don't do a lot of shopping for produce or anything like that but I know my wife when when she's when she's shopping for produce right she 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 checks the produce to make sure it's good and if there's one, if she's buying apples, if there's one apple that's bad, guess what she's not buying? If they're if they're in a if they're in a sack together, that sack is getting put to the side. Because one apple, one bad apple messes it all up. But this is deeper because this is not just, hey, one person is in sin. I'm gonna use Ozzy. I'll use Ozzy. You know, I'm, I'm, work, I'm working my way back. Well, Ozzy is in sin all by himself. It doesn't affect anyone else. That apple that's in that bunch, it doesn't necessarily affect the other apples. It's just one less apple. If you bought that bunch, that'd be a problem. That, that that's apples, but we're talking about the body. So we're a body. So Ozzy's sin that he—I'm not saying Ozzy's in sin. Come on, y'all. Ozzy's sin—it affects all of us. And if we never confront him about his sin, his sin, little sin, just a little bit of leaven, leavens the whole lump. It corrupts and contaminates everything is what the apostle Paul's saying. When the church, the individuals of the church are undisciplined, the church family must discipline to purge, to purify, to cleanse itself of sin. The way that the, the sin that Jesus died for. Again, church discipline is about preserving gospel reverence. A little sin permeates the church. How how does it permeate the church? Because it creates a culture. It creates a culture of irreverence for God, first and foremost. When sin goes unaddressed in your life, you know what you start doing? You start being irreverent towards God. Let me tell you something. I am a grace guy, hands down. I believe in the grace of God. I am saved by grace through faith, not that of myself. I, I do not boast in any of my works. I am kept by the grace of God. But let me tell you something that has done such a detrimental damage to the church. It is this thing called hyper grace, and I see it come across as cheap grace. You start to feel so secure in your salvation. You don't care. Before, you used to think about the way that you spoke. Now, hey, I'm good with God. I'll talk however I want. Wait a second. I I, I used to walk in a certain reverence before God. I used to know that, man, I couldn't watch certain things because that, the eye gate was, I was letting stuff in that was, that that was contaminating my soul. When I first became a Christian, nobody told me, hey, don't go to the movies. Nobody told me, hey, don't watch TV. Nobody, nobody ever preached that kind of stuff. The Holy Spirit was dealing with me and, and just pulled me away from everything. So he could do what? So he could have my heart. He could purify my life. You know, it's one of the saddest things, and, 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 I've, and, and I've heard these things said. You know, when I first became a Christian, I couldn't watch that, but now I can. What on earth? That's a lie from the pit of hell. That's Satan. He's like, oh, yeah, you're good. Now Now you're mature. You just go on ahead. You, you do your thing, baby. I thought we were supposed to be growing in holiness, not in irreverence. I got to keep moving. It creates irreverence for God. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. You start to be a towards God. People start to see you living with a life of sin. Oh, it's all good. You know, they're living like that. They're still living. They haven't been struck dead. It creates a dismissal of absolute truth. Well, you know, if it's okay for them, it should be okay for me too. If they can get away with that, I should be able to get away with that. It creates this. We don't, we, 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 little by little, it gets in there. And then we diminish. This is the most important part. We diminish the great sacrifice that Jesus made. One of my favorite songs, words, I mean, I love, I love the, rhythm, the, the rhythmic side of it as well. But we sing it this morning. It's, it's all praise to the, to the Lord most high. My King Forever is the, is the title of the song. But those words, you gave your life for mine. Nailed to the cross, you were crucified. All my sin and shame, it was washed by your mercy. Those words shouldn't just be words that you like the way they sound. Those should be words that when you sing them, and, and listen, I'm not, I'm not today I, I've been crying all day, but you guys know me well enough. I, I don't cry every week. I, and it's not because I think crying is weak. I think crying is a great, I love when I'm, when I'm free like that. I'm being cleansed and purified and that's beautiful. But I'm just, that, that's not me. But man, when we sing those words of what he did for us, of the blood of Christ, of the sacrifice of Jesus, man, that should make me want to live holy. Paul goes on to talk about Jesus being our Passover. And again, he's looking back to the children of Israel when they were rescued from Egypt. He talks about this unleavened bread, that we are this unleavened lump. Because when the children of Israel were leaving Egypt, God told them that they were to eat these cakes with unleavened bread during their seven days of feasting. Why was that? They were supposed to explain to their children when they were eating this bread, hey guys, when we were getting delivered from Egypt, we didn't have time for our bread to be leavened. And so we had to run out of there with the bread like it was. And it was a reminder for the children of Israel of how expedient and how quickly and how fully God delivered them from the kingdom of darkness. It was a reminder of the sacrifice that was gonna, it was a foreshadowing, should I say, of the, of the sacrifice, the Passover, of which originally happened in Egypt. It was a foreshadowing to the blood that would be upon those who surrendered their life to Christ. Jesus is our Passover. He died for our sin. He died to conquer sin. He rose from the grave, conquering sin, conquering death. Listen, we have a kingdom that is unshakable that we're part of. That's the beauty of the gospel, y'all. That God came to save us. We couldn't save ourselves. God came to deliver us. We couldn't deliver ourselves. But he brings us into this place of redemption and and. Again, church discipline is about preserving gospel reverence. You know why we discipline? You know why we call people to holiness? Because Jesus died. There was a holy sacrifice that was made. Every week we partake of an abbreviated version of communion, uh, of what the communion meal was really like in the times of Jesus and the apostles and the first church. Why do we do that? Because we want a reminder, a symbolic reminder every week of the blood that was shed for us, of the body that was torn. for. We want to be reminded that we are redeemed, that we are here, not because we're cute, not because we're religious, not because we're great, but because he is. That's the reason why we want to live holy, because of the sacrifice of Christ. The gathering of the church is always, hear me when I say this, it is always supposed to be holy. Not only when we come together, not only when we get together in this room is it supposed to be holy. Every day of your life, every moment of your life, every action you partake of should be holy. Now listen, that doesn't mean stop posting the stuff you post, because hey, that might not be holy. Stop living that way if it's questionable. That's the reality. I'm not Listen, I am not trying to get you to be some religious fanatic. I'm trying to get you to look at the cross and say, I want my life to be honorable to the one who died for me. I want my life to bring glory to the one who shed blood for me. I want my life to be something that says, I love you God. I'm grateful to you. I live for your glory, not because I'm worried, but I'm worried about your wrath. I live for your gr- glory because you already absorbed my wrath and absolved my sin and I'm grateful to you. I want to live a life for your glory. See, church, this is not just about us. But when we don't walk and live in holiness, we don't have anything to offer the world. Because we're not a conduit for the power of God. You know what's something that I'm firmly convinced of? And hear me when I say this. I don't say this to be judgmental. But I firmly believe that the reason why we are not seeing revival the way that we're wanting to see it is really because of God's mercy. What do you mean, Bishop? If God manifests himself as we cry out, you know, a lot of us would probably be dead. You know, Ananias and Sapphira, you remember them, them, right? Chapter five in the book of Acts. They were looking at Barnabas in chapter four. They were like, yo, this guy's getting accolades, got his name changed. I mean, I want to be like him. They're like, we're going to sell some property. We're going to bring this before the church because we're going to show that we are holy people. And as they walk up there and, and you know, Ananias goes up there first and he's like, hey, here. And the apostle Peter's like, how could you let Satan tempt you, convince you to lie to the Holy Spirit? And you know What happened? he dropped dead. You know why that happened? Because there was such a tangible weight and revelation of God's presence that was there. that God could not tolerate that sin. Notice Peter didn't go and say, well, well may, 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 maybe they might have sinned. No, no, no. <laughs> there was no question. The spirit of God showed him. He was dead. But today, God move, really. Look at your life. You want God to move in that? Keep it at 100, church. You want want God to move in that? Do do, do you think God is going to just walk in and be like, yes. Listen, if you're asking God to come in and clean stuff up, amen, that's what he wants to do. But most of us, what we want is we want God to come. And like Danny just said, we want him to bless our mess. We're, we're going to keep it a mess like this. We're going to continue living how we live. But we want more of God. No, you don't. And because he loves you, he's not going to give you more. He's going to call us to be a people that call ourselves to be holy. Third thing, and I'm getting ready to wrap up here. Third thing, say church discipline. Church discipline. Is about maintaining. Uh, maintain. Holiness among God's people. The apostle Paul goes on to say in verse 9 through 13, he says, I wrote to you in my epistle, he was probably talking about another epistle that he wrote earlier that we do not have, not to keep company with sexually immoral people. So I want you to notice what he wrote to them was just blanket statement, sexually immoral people, people who are fornicating, People who are committing adultery, people who are living in a lesbian or homosexual lifestyle. He's saying those who are sexually immoral. In our, in our day of context, those who are bound in pornography, those who are living an unchaste life in there, and in, in, in the area of sexuality. He's saying, "Oh, he's he just a blanket statement in his first epistle, and then he goes on to to, to let them know. Yet I certainly did not mean." with the sexually immoral people of this world or with the covetous or with the extortioners or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. The point is this, is that Christians are not to be isolated from the world. We are supposed to be separated in the world. See, we cannot help but coming in contact with sinners, people who don't know Jesus, people who don't have a relationship with God. But we cannot and must not be contaminated by sinners. This is Paul's point. He said, listen, I'm not telling you to look at the world and say, oh man, those are covetous people over there. Oh man, those are adulterers over there. Oh man, those are li- those are greedy people. We can't be around them. No, no, we can't be like them. But he goes on to say what he continues and he says, but I, but now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother or sister. We want to be equal opportunity, right? Who is sexually immoral or covetous or an idol or an idolater or a reviler or a drunkard or an extortioner, not to even, not even to eat with such a person these are hard words are they not like when we think about this you're like man you mean that i that 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 person that i love that i call my brother that i'm hoping that i call my sister that i'm hoping that they're going to turn from their sin you're telling me that the bible says that i shouldn't even be eating with them yes You know, we've probably all been in that relationship, right? Where someone was like ignoring our call, not responding to our text. And we're like, man, what, what did I do? Did I do something? Especially when it's more than like a day, right? Like you've been reaching out to the person for a week, you've left them, you know, another week, you're leaving a message, they're not calling you back. There, there, there's a certain feeling, is there not? That's what people should feel when they are living in sin. Again, it's for the purpose of redemption. It's not to be mean? Is that to, listen, I can't break bread with you. Not because the pastor said, no, no, I can't because God's word says, you're not acting like a brother. You're not acting like a sister. You're not acting like the family of God. Verse 11 <laughs> is an example of the toughest thing to do, and that's tough love. Let me tell you something. Not breaking bread should hurt you more than it hurts them. You know, there's moments as a parent that, you know, I would be lying to say this is hurting me more than it's hurting you. Just keep it at 100. In the area of discipline, there, there are times. But there are other times that for real, for real, this is hurting me more than it's hurting you. And it may not even be spanking them. It could simply be saying like, you know what? You're not going to go to that event that we've been looking forward to going because you have been rebellious and you need to feel the weight of your sin. The whole family's going to Disney. We've been planning this. And man, you messed up, man. Why would you have to mess up right now? I want you to experience this, this joyful time together. Tough love. But can I say this? For the sake of the gospel. For the sake of our Savior. For the sake of your brother and sister's eternal salvation, don't be a coward. Don't be cheap with the grace of God. Don't minimize God's standards just because you don't want to offend someone. And I'm I'm wrapping up verse 12 and verse 13. Much longer than I anticipated, but here we are. For what have I to do with judging those who are outside? Listen. Listen. We're not supposed to judge those who are outside. They're already judged. Oh, we're supposed to have some conversations. I'm going to give you some verses so you can look at this because I think that it's important. We're we're, we're definitely supposed to let them know. know. You know why we get up here? At least I do. I get up here and I rail about things that are going on in our culture. It's not because I don't expect that of the world. It's because the church accepts that. It's because we embrace it. We vote for it. We think it's okay. There's a problem, church. When salt loses its saltiness, it is good for what? Nothing. And that's the problem, is that we've lost our saltiness. Don't be salty like, you know what I'm saying, but, you know, be salty. Verse 13. But those who are outside, God judges. Therefore, put away from yourselves the evil person. He's quoting the Old Testament here. And in the Old Testament, you know what they did in the Old Testament when they put away the evil person? They stoned them, they executed them. Praise God, we excommunicate, not execute. Praise God that He's not saying, Hey, it's time for church discipline. Get your stones ready. That ain't what he says. Praise the Lord. He says something that might be harder. You're gonna have to, to walk in, because you know what? Here's here's the thing, and, and, and listen, if you are if you're living in sin, you need to know this. It hurts us when you're not part of fellowship. Because when you're not here, you're missing. And we're missing you. So listen, don't play with sin. Repent of sin. Turn from sin. Submit to the Savior. Thank God for what he has done for us. Here's my closing question for you. Do you accept God's teaching on church discipline? And will you commit to practicing it? See, the first part is going to get an amen right away. Yes, we accept God's teaching, maybe, because there's some people who are still a little rebellious. They still feel like, well, maybe that's a little bit too harsh. Listen, go back and read the text. Go back and wrestle with it. I hope you will all week. I hope you'll weep over it like I have. I hope you'll think about it and realize, man, that God's teaching is about keeping the church pure and powerful. Church, I said this last week when I was preaching. I obviously wasn't here. But I said that we we, we have we have stri- striven so hard to be relevant that we've lost our significance we have worked so hard to make people think we matter that we've forgotten what we're even all about we're supposed to see the power and manifestation of God through us but if we're not surrendering to the kingdom how can we be manifestations of the kingdom so what do I mean by this I just want to do this real quickly first question is do you agree with God's word That's what I mean. Do do you accept God's teaching on church discipline and will you commit to practicing it? Do you agree with God's word? Will you commit to living holy according to God's standards? This isn't just about pointing at everybody else's sin. This is about looking in the mirror and saying, man, I need to live holy. And will you commit to loving God more than others and holding your brothers and sisters to the standards of scripture. That's what church discipline is. It's not just the, hey, we got to do church discipline today. No, it's about walking in this. And will you commit to being a part of maintaining the purity in the house of God to ensure we are as effective as possible in reaching the lost? What I said I wanted you to think about was this. A church that doesn't practice discipline is incapable of impacting the world around it as the Lord intends. Hey there. Thank you so much for joining us this Sunday. I hope that your time with us was helpful. Hope that your time with us was edifying to you. And I just want to say thank you for all of your support. Thank you for the likes. Thank you for the shares. Thank you for the comments. If you are joining us, for the first time online, would you please do us a favor and either email me at bishop at corefaithchurch.org. That is bishop at corefaithchurch.org. So I can thank you for being with us, get to know you a little bit better. Or if you have a prayer request, you can also email me there. Or if you're on Facebook, you can go ahead and you can leave us a message here uh, directly in the comment section, or you can send us an instant message and we'll get that and respond to you as soon as we can. Lastly, I want to say Thank you to all of your to all of you for your financial support. And if you would like to contribute to Core Faith financially, there's a simple way to do it. You can give electronically. All you have to do is text Core Faith. That is one word, Core Faith to seven three two five six. That is Core Faith one word to seven three two five six, and then follow the prompts, and you can be a financial supporter of the mission that God has given us. And if you are supporting us financially, I want to say thank you so much. I pray that God will bless you abundantly. God bless you. Hope to see you next week.